0: a glorious sight in its oaken frame and its rich-coloured design in silk. Life moved to a chivalrous music. Lessons went more easily in presence of its proud pomp. It was like marching to a band instead of painfully plodding, and the desire to keep it became a passion to the winners. The little girls strained every nerve never to be late or absent. But alas, some mischance would occur to one or other, and it passed in its purple and gold to some strenuous and luckier class in another section of the building, turning to a funeral banner as it disappeared dismally through the door of the cold and empty room. Woe to the latecomer who imperiled the banner! The black mark on the register was a snowflake compared with the black frown on all those childish foreheads. As for the absentee, the scowls that would meet her return, not improbably operated to prolong her absence. Only once had Bloomer's class won the trophy, and that was largely through a yellow fog which hit the other classes worse. For Bloomer was the black sheep that spoiled the chances of the fold, the black sheep with the black marks. Perhaps those great rings round her eyes were the black marks incarnate. So morbidly did the poor child grieve over her sins of omission. Yet those sins of omission were virtues of commission elsewhere. For if Bloomer's desk was vacant, it was only because Bloomer was slaving at something that her mother considered more important. The Beckenstein family first, the workshop second, and school nowhere. Bloomer might have retorted to her mother. At home, she was the girl of all work. In the living rooms, she did cooking and washing and sweeping. In the shop above, whenever a hand fell sick or work fell heavy, she was utilised to make buttonholes, school hours or no school hours. Bloomer was likewise the errand girl of the establishment and the portress of goods to and from S. Cohen's Emporium in Holloway. And the watchdog when Mrs. Beckenstein went shopping or pleasuring, lock up the house, the latter would cry when Bloomer tearfully pleaded for that cause. My things are much too valuable to be locked up, but I know you'd rather lose my jewelry than your precious banner when Mrs. Beckenstein had new grandchildren, and they came frequently, Bloomer would be summoned in hot haste to the new scene of service. Kurt postcards came on these occasions, thus conceived. Dear mother, a son, send Bloomer, Briny. Sometimes these messages were mournfully inverted. Dear mother, poor little Rachie is gone. Send Bloomer to your heartbroken Becky. Occasionally the postcard went the other way. Dear Becky, send back Bloomer, your loving mother. The care of her elder brother Daniel was also part of Bloomer's burden, and in the evening she had to keep an eye on his street sports and comrades, for since he had shocked his parents by dumping down a new pair of boots on the table, he could not be trusted without supervision. Not that he had stolen the boots, far worse. beguiled by a card cunningly printed in Hebrew, he had attended the evening classes of the Meshed modim those converted jews who try to bribe their brethren from the faith and who are the bugbear and execration of the ghetto daniel was therefore looked upon at home as a lamb who had escaped from the lion's den and must be the object of their vengeful pursuit while on bloomer devolved the duties of shepherd and sheepdog It was in the midst of all these diverse duties that Bloomer tried to go to school by day and do her home lessons by night. She did not murmur against her mother, though she often pleaded. She recognised that the poor woman was similarly distracted between domestic duties and turns at the machines upstairs. Only it was hard for the child to dovetail the two halves of her life. At night she must sit up as late as her elders, poring over her schoolbooks, and in the morning it was a fierce rush to get through her share of the housework in time for the red mark. In Mrs. Bekenstein's language, don't eat, don't sleep, boil nor bake, stew nor roast.